This month, we have been uh, getting more specific about uh, knowing why we're here as a church and what that looks like in our personal lives. We have a new mission statement. Do you know it yet? We live to love people to life. There's a lot in this statement, as I've told you. The we means that we're doing this all together, as well as each of us individually. Uh, we live to do this means that this is what we get up uh, in the morning ready to do. This is what gets us out of bed. Uh, we love people. There's a relational aspect here. Uh, relationships are vital to not only what we do around here, but also uh, away from this place. We, we're building relationships. We live to love people to life. Uh, so there's the uh, the aspect of this abundant life in Jesus that that that, prov- that, that he brings to us as we follow him. So so if we wrap all that up, I guess, we live to love people to life is just about us building uh, relationships with people so they can build a relationship with God. We live to love people to life. And so we've been walking uh, through a list of questions uh, that, that we can ask ourselves to evaluate if, if we're kind of on track with this. If, if, we're, if we're doing this, if we're answering in the affirmative to these questions, then uh, then we're probably on a real good track of, uh, of the Holy Spirit leading us to, uh, to love people to life. And so... Uh, uh, this week, we gave you a laminated card right there in your bulletin. If you didn't get a bulletin, you didn't get one of these cards, perhaps. There are some more out there on the table in the foyer. So when you go out after church to sign up for the potluck dinner, which you will all be doing, then uh, you can also grab one of these if you still need it. Basically, this is just here for you to have a tool. And then maybe you can take this and, and put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Remind yourself of these things. Ask yourself these things. Maybe you're, you can uh, uh, put it on your fridge or, or put it on your mirror or uh, put it in your, your, your journal or your Bible or somewhere where you're going to see it every day where, uh, where you can ask yourself these questions. And so, so the, the, the questions, just five of them, have I met with God today? Am I trusting and obeying God in everything? Do I see Jesus in the mirror? Who have I served today? And am I close to someone far from God? And so we've been walking through these through the month of, uh, through the month of April. Uh, and, uh, the, the first three have a lot to do with, with, uh, with, with ourselves, right? Um, making sure that, that we are where we need to be with Jesus, making sure that we're living out this uh, abundant life that, that He provides. Uh, so I'm meeting with Him every day and I'm enjoying this, enjoying this relationship and I'm, I'm, I'm following His lead as I, as I trust Him and I obey Him and everything and, and He's developed Developing his character in me, I can see Jesus in the mirror, I, and, and and so it's it's about our relationship with uh, with him because we can't uh, incur we can't bring anyone else uh, somewhere spiritually if we're not there yet, and so we've got to make sure that we are on track spiritually. We're living this life with God, and, and so the first three questions have to do with our own personal relationship with God. The last two then turn us outward toward uh, the the relationships that we have with with people around us. Uh, we serve people. We're seeking out uh, uh, people in order to to share the possibility of this abundant life with them. If if we're living to love people to life, then we need to know some people who aren't yet experiencing that life, uh, so that we can help introduce them to it. Unfortunately, statistics show that, uh, and and I think I and and many of you maybe would uh, would uh, play it out, uh, prove it out as well. Uh, the longer we follow Jesus, uh, the less relationships we have outside of the church. I mean, it's natural that we would gravitate toward people who have the same views and the same goals and the same lifestyle and all those kinds of things, but it's difficult to love people to life when we don't know any people who aren't already uh, loving God with all of their heart, right? Uh, and so we, 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 we then put that last question on there specifically for that. Am I close to someone far from God? 
maybe you are close to someone, maybe a lot of someones uh, who are far from God, and 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 uh, but uh, maybe it doesn't really seem like you're having a whole lot of influence. I I don't know. There's a there's a great passage in um in in a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a church called Thessalonica. There's a big word for us. Uh, Thessalonica, and so it's the, the, the book of First Thessalonians, and uh, we're going to look at a, a passage where Paul is writing this letter, and he's, he's uh, explaining not only his, his rationale, but also a glimpse into his process of how he's uh, reaching out to people for Jesus uh, to introduce them to the abundant life with God. It's First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Um, It'll be up here on the on the jumbotron. Um, it will also be, believe it or not, in the Bible. And uh, I would love for you. Uh, I think maybe we rely on this, and you're trusting that I got this out of the Bible. I could have gotten it anywhere uh, and just put it up on the wall. So if you have your, uh, I heard somebody this past week say, uh, if if you have your fake Bible on your device, go ahead. Or if you have the real thing, uh, the with, you know that has pages and things, you can flip to that too. But uh, so I'd encourage you to look look through this and maybe keep it open as we walk through the through the sermon uh, to see if uh, see if your preacher is really on track or not. Uh, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. This will be out of the uh, New International Version. It says this, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Uh, That last verse in that passage, I think, uh, sums it all up. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Uh, It it, it starts as they were living a life for God uh, themselves. It continued as they loved the people around them and shared their lives with them. uh, And and it was all part of the process to help lead them to God. So so, uh, we, we live a life for God ourselves. We love the people around us so that we can lead them to a relationship with God. This, this whole passage describes uh, uh, living in a relationship with God, trusting and obeying him, staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Paul and his companions' uh, character is pure. It says earlier there in the passage they were approved by God. Uh, and, and, and out of that relationship with, that they had with God, they cared about the people that God brought them to. Uh, and, and so they met needs and they introduced them to the gospel. Uh, they introduced them to the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's, here's what I think. I think that the closer I walk with Jesus, the more he will use me in the lives of people. If I'm distant from Jesus, I won't have much influence on the people around me. Uh, if I bristle or resist at what he's calling me to do, or if I think I can do it better, then I won't be very useful or effective. Uh, Paul's life wasn't exactly easy or comfortable. These are things that he didn't necessarily choose to do. I don't know if you know the, the, uh, the, the story there in, in, uh, um, 
uh, that he's referring to there in Philippi and then in Thessalonica and all that, but it, it, it was it was far from easy. We see him refer here. There was there was suffering and and it was hard, but but God used them in in, in mighty ways there because he was the uh, he was the only one that they were trying to please. He says we weren't trying to please anybody else. We weren't even trying to please you. Uh, he says we were trying to please God and just follow His lead, and we were doing whatever He wanted us to do. I think I think we get a little wigged out when we hear the term evangelism. Uh, I, I would guess that, uh, that, that most of you are kind of like me and you get a little nervous maybe if you feel like you need to share your faith. Uh, I mean, maybe you've tried. Maybe you even feel guilty when you hear stories of other people doing it. And, and, uh, but it's hard to put yourself out there. I mean, you've probably heard the story about the, the, uh, the evangelist who, who gets on a plane and, and, uh, sits next to somebody there who, who asks a couple of questions. And before they touch down at the destination, uh, everyone in rows A through F has prayed to accept Jesus and they've been gloriously and, you know, and we go, oh, yeah, I, I wish I was like that. I, I don't know, for me, that just makes me feel guilty and, and you know, I can't do that. And so then I, I just give up. I mean, I, I hope to reframe this for you in how we think about sharing our faith. And also, I hope that, 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 that we can, uh, that I can challenge you to actively pursue letting God, uh, use you to influence the people that He's placed in your life. I think a great place to uh, to start is to remind you that you have been placed right where you are on purpose. So many times we think that that evangelism means memorizing a script and then then going out or from door to door or wherever and and presenting the gospel to strangers. And uh, I I want you to get that out of your mind right now. Not that that couldn't work, but uh, as as we talked about last week, you know, God has prepared good works for us to do. The part of that is uh, using our our gifts and talents and abilities in the place where God has put us so that he can use us. And and part of that usefulness is to point people to Jesus, to serve their needs and to speak up and and point them to Jesus. One theologian uh, put it this way. He said, you would misuse Christ's gifts if you use them solely for service of existing Christians. That is not why these gifts are given. As we see God's overwhelming concern for the salvation of people, we must assume that his gifts are given, at least in large part, that the lost may come to know him. So as we discover these gifts and talents and abilities, and as we, what we talked about last week, we're serving people in Jesus' name, uh, those, the, one of the primary reasons that we serve them is to help introduce them to Jesus, as a, a, to, to help them find salvation. Another theologian, Keith Miller, said this, as I began to read the New Testament accounts, I saw that Christ almost never went out of his way to help anyone. He seems to have walked along and helped the people in his path. He was totally focused on doing God's will and going where God led him, but he never failed to help the people he met along the way while going where God directed him. I hope that perspective begins to help you see that, that, that sharing your faith is, is less about a program and it's more about a way of life. Right? As we live this abundant life with God, as we're following the Good Shepherd that we talked about on Easter Sunday, as we're trusting and obeying Him in everything, uh, He will use you to make an eternal difference in, in people's lives as, as, as your paths intersect. He will lead you to people who are far from Him so that you can point them toward Him. We're building relationships with people so they can build a relationship with God. We live to love people to life. Well, how do we do that? 
Maybe you've tried before. Uh, you've probably been praying for people for years and, and nothing's ever happened. Or maybe you've, you've, uh, you've, you've shared with them and they've been less than interested and you've, you've, you've not gotten any results. A couple of things. I, I guess I want to share a couple of ways, the things that, that we, that we can't do or shouldn't do. And then a couple of things, uh, that we, that we need to do as we're living to love people to life. One thing that we can't do is we can't undo the past. It's tempting to relive our failed attempts in the past in, in reaching people. And maybe, uh, maybe, uh, they've seen your faults and failures and you think, oh, well, uh, you know, they're going to see me and how I've messed up and they're, I'm not going to have much credibility with them. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you wish, uh, in the past you had spoken up here or, or didn't speak up over here. Uh, maybe, uh, other people have, uh, seen you and gotten the wrong impression of Christianity. It's, it's natural for us to have regrets, I think. Uh, or, or even complaints. It's just not productive. We can't undo the past, but from this day forward, are we stepping into, are we following the Spirit's leading and where He wants us to go and what He wants us to do and say? We can't undo the past. We can't control the future either. We worry about what people will think or what they'll say or how they'll respond, right? We, we play the what if game a lot. Worry can, can be a lot more debilitating than regret because regret is limited to what happened. I regret that thing that happened. Worry, <laughs> worry is all about all the things that could possibly happen. And so we worry about all this stuff that might happen. Uh, uh, Mark Twain put it this way. I have known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. <laughs> Um, you can't control the future, so don't try. Be true uh, to where God is leading you uh, in, in his relationship. Keep in step with the Spirit. And, and you can't make anyone believe. Uh, that sounds obvious, but uh, a lot of pushiness and rudeness and downright sneakiness uh, has been committed in the name of evangelism in the past, I think. Uh, it, it comes from thinking that maybe we can make someone believe. I ran across this uh, uh, cartoon um, Sally says, I would have made a good evangelist. You know that kid who sits behind me at school. I'm convinced him that my religion is better than his religion. I hit him with my lunchbox. Don't try that. That's part of the don't do side, okay? We're not, that's not, we're not, uh, uh, encouraging that. You can't make someone believe in Jesus. Uh, God just wants you to help communicate His love to the world around you. He might use you to say something or to do something to move someone forward in their journey with Him. But I think a lot of us carry guilt because we think that, that they've got to pray the prayer. And if, if we interact with them and they, and they don't, uh, step across that line of faith, then it's all been for or not, I think that uh, that we need to get a, a more longer term perspective on this because we're all in a process and we're on a journey and God might bring bring you into someone's life to help nudge them in the right direction and then uh, they, they, they God might bring someone else into their lives to, to take them further and then maybe uh, days or years or months or uh, years later, he might bring someone into their life that would would help them to finally commit themselves completely to Jesus Christ. And and it's it's not a it's not a win or lose if they pray the magic prayer or not. It's your being obedient to the spirit to say and do what needs to be said and done in someone's life to 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 promote Jesus in their lives, to build a relationship with them so they can build a relationship with God. Well, how do we do that? What does that look like? Uh, and we've talked about it before and we'll talk about it again and it's all through everything that we do. The one big thing that we do is that we love people. We live to love people to life. Love people is, is right in the center 
I mean, you need to know that Paul and Silas and Timothy, who are the folks with, with Paul as he's writing this, this, uh, and, and he's talking about what they experienced there, uh, they were intentional in their relationships with these people in Thessalonica. Uh, in fact, they, they faced pretty strong opposition there. They, they developed these deep relationships with, with, with folks in the, in the church there and, and who accepted their message, but there were, there were folks outside of that that, uh, that actually put up some, some big, uh, big opposition. Uh, first of all, in Philip, and he refers to that. That's when they were they were thrown in prison, and uh, and there was an earthquake, and and all of that, and and so they they were ushered out of the city. They went to Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, they had uh, they had to flee there because people wanted to, to kill them there. And uh, it's all in Acts chapter 17, 16, 17. Uh, I don't know if you've read the book of Acts. Uh, it's a I mean, it's a good read. Uh, it, you keep, you read it all. Do it. And then read it again. And then read it again as the early church forms and as God works and moves in them. Uh, uh, so, so the, there's, I mean, they, they came after Paul and they, they, they tried to kill him. And these intentional relationships that they had built with these people, uh, in Thessalonica. So they, they, they escaped Thessalonica and went to Berea. And then the people from Thessalonica, uh, chased them down in Berea. And, uh, and Paul and his, his companions, uh, the, the, the people that, that they knew that they had built relationships with in the church in Thessalonica came and they rescued them and they helped them and they ushered, they helped Paul get away and they protected them because they had built these strong relationships that had introduced them to Jesus and now they were working together. Uh, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. It was uh, it was uh, complex and and convoluted and and dangerous and and I mean it was it was some crazy times, but. It wasn't just about Paul standing up and preaching and then moving on. It was this relationship thing. They loved people to life. I have to ask myself, where am I intentionally seeking out relationships with people who may be far from God, even when it's hard? Sometimes it's, it means simply noticing people or, or, or talking to people that maybe you're always around at, at work or at school, but, but you're actually looking for opportunities to, 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 to bring your faith into the situation or just, just to build a relationship with them. Uh, maybe you need to seek people out, uh, uh, doing things that you enjoy. Uh, I think it's Rick Warren who says, uh, find something you love to do and invite someone to do it with you. Like, that's that's an evangelism strategy, believe it or not. Find something that you love to do and don't just do it alone, but build relationships uh, along the way. A couple of times this winter, I rolled out of bed uh, at Odark 30 on Saturday morning, and, uh, you know, it was like below freezing, and there's snow and ice on the ground, and, and um, I uh, made my way down to... Um, to the square where some people were gathering to run the uh, the course for the Medina Half Marathon. Oh, dark 30. Uh, that's a time, you know. Uh, it's before the sun comes up, that's for sure. And uh, and it was cold. And I, I certainly, I was going to work out that day. Uh, at some point, I would have to. Uh, probably would have chosen uh, to, uh, to do it in my warm basement on the treadmill rather than uh, on the ice. But um, the reason I did that... I'm not saying this except to just share one way that I've been uh, trying to walk this path a little bit. Well, the, the reason that I did that was to start to maybe build some relationships with people that I'm not preaching to every week. <laughs> people that are uh, 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 not yet a part of the body of Christ. I didn't preach. We ran. 
uh, I, I didn't present the gospel. Nobody got down on their knees around, around uh, Lake Medina and, and prayed through. It, and that, none of that happened, but, but it, it's one small step that I've taken a couple of times to try over time to intentionally step out and see where the Spirit might lead. Just one example from, from my life. I think you probably have those examples too, or you could, as you think through what, what is it that I could do that could start to love people to life. Now, I, I don't want you to think that I'm just uh, encouraging you to build relationships uh, primarily so that you can convert somebody. Uh, that's, that's gonna fall apart either, too, because, uh, because you're not just building a relationship in order to get them to pray the magic prayer. <laughs> You're, you're loving people. We love people. Uh, whether they ever come to faith or not, we're building a relationship with it. But it's natural as we build a relationship with people that, that, that we care about, uh, all of their lives, including their souls and, and where they'll spend eternity. So it's natural that in the context of that relationship, we would, we would influence them toward the most important thing in our lives and that it would come up and that it would be shared. As, again, as Paul said, because we loved you so much, We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. They didn't just share the gospel. They shared life together. Uh, uh, Right before this, the verse just prior, uh, Paul says that, uh, that he cared for the Thessalonians like a nursing mother cares for her children. That's kind of a lot. Uh, a mother wants to provide for and protect her children, uh, so that they can have the best life possible. We believe that following Jesus is the best life possible and, and, and the, it results in eternal life in heaven. And it seems like we would be sharing that wherever we go and whatever we do, that it would be a natural outflow of our lives. Calvin Coolidge. Uh, was vice president of the United States during the years 1921 to 23 under President Warren Harding. As vice president, uh, Coolidge presided over the Senate. One day, during deliberations on the Senate floor, one senator angrily told another one to, and I'm quoting here, he told him to go straight to the hot place, okay? Well, he didn't say the hot place, I'm just saying that. The offended senator complained to Coolidge, who was presiding over the the Senate, and Coolidge looked up, and after a brief pause, he he said, I've looked through the book, Uh, you don't have to go, (laughs) you don't have to go. I think it comes down to this. If, if, if we believe that hell is still hot, and if we really do love people, and that Jesus is the way to, to get to heaven and avoid hell, we need to do all that we can to let these people know that they don't have to go. <laughs> that there's abundant life in Christ as, we, as they follow him. I, I think there's probably just a couple of reasons why we wouldn't do that. Either you're not really convinced of it yourself or you don't really care about the people like maybe you should. We need to love people. It hinges on that. It's, it's, it's primary. It's at the core. We not only shared the gospel with you, but we shared our lives as well because we loved you so much. In the midst of all that. So it, it hinges on, it's rooted in, founded in, grounded in this relationship, these relationships that we're building. We're also in the midst of that then, we're looking for receptivity, signs of, uh, of receptivity. Paul was always looking for, for the Holy Spirit to lead him. And, uh, there were times when the Holy Spirit uh, shut a door and moved him somewhere else because that's where people were going to be more receptive. 
He was so convinced of the importance of preaching Christ to people who were open and receptive to it. He asked the in Colossians 4, 3, he asked the Colossians to pray, quote, that God may open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. In Corinth, God told Paul, I have many people in this city, emphasizing that, that he wanted Paul to con- concentrate his efforts there because there were people there that were going to be responsive to the gospel. Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? For a great and effective door has opened to me. And the results bear it out. When Paul and Barnabas had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. The disciple-making efforts of the early church were fruitful and the church grew because its members communicated the gospel with receptive people that God had already gone before them and prepared the way. Uh, Jesus emphasized this too uh, many places. Uh, one place in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, he explains there that that, that the seed, which is the word of God, is uh, falls on all types of soil, which are people's hearts, and, and it was only the good soil where the person both hears and understands the message where the good crop is produced, where faith is developed and grown. So so there seemed no doubt in Christ's mind that that, that the seed should be planted in fertile soil, and, and that's why we build relationships relationships with people first. If, if we're in the context of a relationship, then we can tell uh, their receptivity and their openness. And some people are more open than others, and some people are open at certain times than others. And, and if they're going through certain things and we already have that relationship with them, then God opens that door for us to, to, to share with them. We can sense their, their openness as the Holy Spirit leads us, and we can, we can uh, I guess it, we need to come down to ask ourselves a question over and over again, am I close to someone far from God? Because if I am, then I can sense their receptivity and their openness. Learn to be bold is another uh, another thing we need to do. When the opportunity comes then, we need to be bold. Uh, boldness, I love this definition, boldness is speaking up when the opportunity pops up. Boldness is speaking up when the opportunity pops up. Paul was bold. In our passage, it says, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. I like the story about the uh, the, the young guy in, in seminary he was he was terrified to speak in front of people and so he saved for his last semester the last class of his last semester he saved uh, preaching uh, for his uh, the, the, that last class to take because uh, he was just scared to death of it finally he couldn't avoid it anymore and so he he took it and and uh, he knew that part of that was going to be to present a sermon uh, at the end of the semester and so uh, sure enough uh, uh, that that was the assignment and so um, uh, he he had to prepare for that uh, the, the the student was assigned a topic, uh, the urgency of evangelism. And as the date approached, he he studied the passage and he got the commentaries out and he looked at the Hebrew and the Greek and the and and, and all the the language studies and he and he looked at he had he had uh, great illustrations and and, uh, and he was he was applying the truth to scripture and, and and he wrote out a manuscript and and had it all there and his professor was very impressed with all the work and he was sure that the student would would be able to overcome his his fears and his nerves and be able to present this sermon in the class. When the day came for the sermon, uh, for the student to, to give his sermon, um, he nervously got up and he read his passage. He stood in front of the class, knees shaking, knocking, and, and he said, the urgency of, of evangelism. And then he looked at his notes 
And he looked at the professor and he looked back at the class and he says, do you all know what I'm going to say? And they shook their head, no. And he said, well, neither do I, let's pray. And they, he, he went and they prayed and he sat down. Well, his professor was very disappointed with all of that. And so he, he met with him after class and, and he said, you're not getting out of this, buddy. You gotta preach this sermon. I mean, you've done all the work. Just get up there and, and present this sermon. It's, it's, it's good stuff. You've done all the work. You need to do this. And, and, uh, and he said, you're gonna be up again first thing tomorrow. You gotta do this. And so, uh, the next day, sure enough, he got up there and he, same drill. He, he read through his passage and then he said, the urgency of advantage, nervous as all get out the urgency of evangelism, and then he said, do you all know what I'm going to say? And at this time, there were a couple of chuckles, and they all kind of said, yep. And he said, well, good, then I don't have to say it. Hey, let's pray. And, he, and he, he prayed, and he went and sat down, and by this time, the professor is livid, probably should have flunked him right there, but but uh, he met with him one more time, and, and he said, you got to do this. You're not getting out of it. Uh, this is part of the class. Uh, you've you've got to make this happen. If you don't, you fail the whole deal. You won't graduate. Uh, we, we, you got to do this. And so... So he got up the next day and he read his passage and he pronounced the topic, the urgency of evangelism. And then sure enough, he looked at his notes and he looked at the professor and he looked out at the students and he said, do you all know what I'm going to say? And by this point, the class wasn't quite sure. And so some of them were like, yes, and some of them were like, no. And he said, well, then those of you that know, tell those that don't. Let's pray. And he went and he sat down again. You probably assume that that student flunked the class. However, that professor, after much thought and reflection, gave that student an A in the class and wrote a little note and said, the urgency of evangelism is indeed for those who know to tell those who don't. It's okay to be nervous. Uh, it, it, it wasn't something that was just simple and easy for the apostles either. I mean, they had to pray for boldness. Uh, they, they had learned over time as they, as they practiced it and it became more, but they had to pray for it. Acts 4, 29 and 31 says, now, Lord, consider their threats. They're praying. Uh, uh, these people are threatening them and, and the, the church is praying and they said, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed for boldness. God answered their prayer as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Pray for boldness so that you can speak up when the opportunity pops up. Some of you still say, well, I don't know what in the world to, to speak up about. Um, uh, let them know what you've experienced. There's, there's a great line that uh, that Peter and John used while they were defending themselves before the Jewish leaders uh, in the early days of the church. In Acts chapter 4, verse 20, it says, uh, as they're speaking before this uh, this tribunal of sorts, uh, they, they said, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Sometimes we, we get so wigged out about what we should say and how we're going to change someone's core beliefs. And, and really, you are just called to do one thing, share what you have experienced yourself. If I'm walking in this life with God and I have a relationship with people around me, 
then part of my responsibility is to witness to or share about what God has done in my life. And maybe, just maybe, God will use that to help someone in their life with him too. Share what you personally have heard and seen. That's why it's so important to, uh, again, to come back to this this uh, living it out yourself. You've got to be where you need to be because when you're sharing, it's not so much about uh, de- developing a long defense of the faith or, or explaining intricate theology as much as it is just sharing what you have seen and heard. Please note here uh, that through this entire message, I have not given you a script to memorize. This isn't about something that we, we memorize this thing and then present it. I'm convinced that if you are following God closely, if you're trusting and obeying him in everything, if you're letting his character develop in you and you're looking for ways to serve him, it will be noticeable. Uh, And that's why we have to intentionally build relationships with people who don't yet know God because uh, it will be noticeable in our lives and that will draw people to us and hopefully will then draw help us point to him. It looks different in every single one of our lives uh, because you are sharing what you have personally seen and heard. I, I, don't, I don't care how you do it. You just have to do it. Uh, D.L. Moody, uh, someone was complaining about his evangelistic strategies and, and Moody asked the woman, uh, well, what are your evangelistic strategies? And she said, well, I don't really have any. And he said, well, well I, like, I like mine better than yours then <laughs> because at least I'm doing something. Um, there's also the the story of um, of a guy in the in the back back country years ago, little small town out in the out in the country. Uh, he was just known as Old Joe, and he was known for catching fish. Every weekend, Joe went out by himself out to the lake and came back with dozens of fish. Nobody knew how he did it. Uh, when other fishermen went out, uh, they they would uh, you know come back with three or four or five fish, and Joe would come back with stringer after stringer stringer of freshly caught fish. Finally, the fishing game warden uh, got his uh, got his uh, radar up and decided he was going to investigate what was going on here. And so he followed Joe out to the lake one day. And as Joe was getting in his boat, the fishing game warden said, "Hey, Joe, let me, hold up a second. I'm going to join you." And he said, "Okay, come on up." And so Joe motored on out to an obscure part of the lake where no one else was around and, and he stopped the boat and the warden just sat back and watched and, and, uh, Joe reached into his tackle box but instead of getting any lures or, or bobbers or, or a string in his line, Joe got out a piece of dynamite. He lit the piece of dynamite and he dropped it in the water. The fish and game warden is just taken aback and doesn't know what to do. Sure enough, this thing explodes and, uh, all these fish start popping up and Joe just grabs his net and starts fishing. <laughs> well, the fishing game warden is just beside himself and he says, like, you can't do that. You just can't. I'm gonna, you've broken every law in the, in the books and I'm going to take you to jail and, and, uh, you, you just can't do that. And meanwhile, Joe, uh, Joe leans back and he, he, uh, he grabs another stick of dynamite and he lights it and he tosses it over to the warden who catches it and he says, warden, are we going to keep talking here? Or are you going to fish? I'm not here to criticize your methods of fishing. I'm here to motivate you to do something. Um, we can't keep this abundant life with Jesus to ourselves. We live to love people to life. I hope that's starting to get uh, not just a Sunday morning thing that the preacher makes you say, but it's starting to seep into your heart a little bit. 
And I hope that it will continue to do so. I I hope that you are becoming more and more intentional about your relationship with God than ever before. That's my prayer. (laughs) I hope that you're building deep relationships with people and in the process you can help them build deep relationships with God. Take, take this card home if it helps. If it doesn't, if you've got another way to do it, that's great. Uh, put it somewhere where you'll see it. Uh, ask someone to keep you accountable. Maybe, uh, maybe in your life group, uh, people can, uh, be, we'll be talking about that. And, and, uh, or, or uh, maybe there's one or two people that can help keep you accountable. Maybe ask you these questions to, uh, to keep you accountable. It's, it's one way that we can measure our spiritual growth. I, I mean, I just... I just wonder, I just picture, I think maybe you can start to picture, what would, what would this church be like if we would just do this? This time next year, Easter next year, what, what are we looking at around here? As the Holy Spirit invades our hearts and we begin to, to, to meet with God on a regular basis every day, more than just once a day, and we're, we're starting to trust Him and obey Him, and when He says jump, we say how high, and when He says go over there, we do that, and when He says shut up and don't say anything right now, we shut up and don't say anything, and, and we trust Him even when it's difficult and even when it's hard and people are out to get us and, and life breaks in. If we look in the mirror, <laughs> figuratively, and and we don't see God's character being formed in us. We take steps to start to see that that does happen. If we're looking for ways constantly to serve people, and if we're looking to build relationships with people far from God, just simple, practical things that, that maybe we can get our hands around that can help us see if we're on the right track. Because there's one thing that, that, that I believe, just one way to say it, but one thing that I think we can rally around, that we can drill down on. As, as God invades our lives, we live, we get out of bed every day uh, to love people to life. Because God has so loved us and brought his life to us. He has come so that we can have life and have it to the full, have it more abundantly, more and better life than we've ever dreamed of. Why would we keep that to ourselves? We do all that we can to live that life and to let other people know about that life too. Will you stand with me? Father God, we thank you for the abundant grace that is ours in you. We thank you for the the call that you've placed on our hearts that, that you want to use us to introduce people to your life as well. And so, Lord, I pray that we would, we would follow your lead, that, that, that maybe these, these questions could be a tool for us that you could use to help us develop this relationship with you. Lord, I pray, whatever it is, whether these, these questions are something else, Lord, I just pray that, that, that your spirit would so invade our lives that, that we would be open and responsive to everything that you have for us, that you would, you would guide us, that your will would be done in our lives and in our hearts, and that, that as we live our lives for you, that you could use us to help point people to you too. Lord, I pray for your blessing on on this church body, but also on each individual. And as we go from this place, we go (laughs) propelled into the world to bring your light and your life where we live. Lord, I pray that, that, that there would be opportunities in our homes this week to represent you well. To, to point people to you, maybe our spouse or our kids or, or extended family, whoever it is, Lord, I, I pray that you will give us those opportunities and that when they come up, we wouldn't shy away, but that we would, we would speak up when the opportunity comes up. 
Lord, maybe it'll be at work or at school and we have the chance to, uh, to speak up for, for you or we have the chance to, to, to love somebody, to let them know that, that we care about them and we start to build those relationships so that you can use that uh, in the days ahead. Lord, I, I'm just excited about what you want to do, uh, not only for us in our lives, but what you want to do in our lives, through our lives, in the lives of other people. Lord, I'm, I'm excited about where you're taking us and, and what you have planned for us. And, uh, and Lord, I just pray that as we offer ourselves to you, that each day, each day you would help us to to know you more to grow in that relationship with you and to let you show wherever we go in jesus name we pray amen